When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. When it's time to get some new windows or a new door, you got to go with Pella. Why? Well, first of all, because they can provide window and door solutions to any home. And the people are great. Steve and Vince and Clint and Brian, the whole gang, everybody there is fantastic. And you know what? You're going to be with Pella the entire time. I had no idea this was the the scenario in the situation but i didn't know when you work with some other window companies i won't name names but all of a sudden questions pop up like well who's installing that no you got to call that guy who's going to pre-finish it no no no, you got to call that guy before you know it, you're working with like four or five different people Ugh! you want the convenience and simplicity of working with one company not three or four that's pella check them out on the web pellaomaha.com that's pellaomaha.com well, on tap for today's pod is an event that everyone's been looking forward to because we've been so sports starved uh, with the coronavirus situation and everybody quarantined and uh, life being canceled kind of as we know it. And thank God for The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls final season documentary. Uh, Going to be a 10-part documentary series dropping every single Sunday, two hours each of the next uh, uh, five weeks. And yours truly and Bo Root, uh, we sat and watched the documentary together and immediately went into the pod studio and knocked out a recap pod to what is shaping up to be an incredible documentary. I mean, just an incredible one. So without further ado, man, uh, let's get to it. Enough yapping for me. Let's get to... uh, a little recap pod for the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls Last Dance documentary. Here is uh, your boy, Nicholas Allenbaugh and Bo Robert Rude. Enjoy. All right. I don't even know where to begin. Nick Bob, Bo Rude. We just finished the first night of the Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary. So part one and part two are in the books. And we watched it together. It was hard you can tell there are numerous times I wanted, like, I wanted to hit pause and like almost recap a second. Like anytime they went to commercial, you and I really had to fight the temptation to talk. I think we had to fight the temptation to grab a basketball and, <laughs> you know, go dunk, go dunk on the mini hoop. What did I tell you? I, when we stood up and it was over, I said, I just want to go compete with Michael <laughs> Jordan. That's all I want to do. Uh, man, I guess... You know, you go into this thing and you wonder, okay, what's the structure going to be like? What's the format? How are they going to do this? I think the first thing that jumps out at me is just the unfathomable nature of how here's a team. This is the Chicago Bulls. You know, they have five championships, and just the fact that it was understood that this shit is over. Like, this is it. Phil is done after this year. It, it's it's unbelievable to 
even though we all kind of knew it going in, just to see it all really happen. They're getting rings, all that stuff. And just the thought that like heading into the season, like think, I want people to really think about that. Like these guys are, they're the greatest basketball team ever. And yet it's just, it's everybody wants it. Like everybody is ready to be like, yep, this is, it's done. It's over. Yeah. That it was almost, I could feel us both, you know, we were trying not to talk to each other, but I could feel us both just, being frustrated that like looking back on it, you know, that was some of the stuff that we didn't remember as well. Uh, I think being, you know, young, we were probably even teenagers at the time, mm-hmm. but we, you know, we, we loved watching the bulls, but to hear sort of the beginnings of the, the management like voluntarily wanting to potentially get rid of, you know, the coach Scotty, and rebuild the team and like it's almost unfathomable like how that can happen yeah i just don't you're winning you know jordan had that have, line it was like you're you're is like until we have the right to defend our title until we lose like when we lose then yeah then you can talk about rebuilding like it's just it's it's crazy to me to think that that team that management it really jerry Krause. yeah and, and the one thing the documentary is doing a nice job of is there are two two things that are getting laid out. There is, you know, we're, we're picking things up in the 97-98 season, and they're flashing back with these flashbacks to understand how Michael Jordan became Michael Jordan. But the other, in the midst of that, the thing they're doing a nice job of is explaining how the, how the deterioration and all the issues manifested themselves over the course of a decade between Jordan and Krause and then ultimately Pippen and Jerry Krause. Yeah, but it's still, to me, it's like it's glaring. No matter, even if there's truth to some of the things that Krause and Reinsdorf are saying, their uh, perception of their role and their importance it is that to me is the, the biggest crime that happens too much in sports is when you have these great players and great organizations, great teams, and the people at the top don't give the respect to sort of the magic that happens with these teams and these runs people have. And I think that in the long run, it's always better to give them too much time and let them fail first before like the the preemptive district you know right it, right it, it's this might be in the, we're gonna see more and more as this goes yeah. the greatest example of like are you serious like why would you do this yeah and yeah it just goes to show you I think what you're watching the thing that's amazing is as you're watching this unfold I mean we're we're not even in I mean the second episode ended and Pippen just demanded a trade and it's November of ninety seven <laughs> we're going you know what, what I mean so it's like we're not even in it, but but one of the things that you're seeing is how much we sometimes come at basketball from an analytical standpoint of like, well, they need a rebounder, they need more shooting. They like so much of basketball is chemistry, ego, management, personalities, all those things. Yeah. And I think as much as anything, this documentary is heading down a path of the illustration of that, yeah. where. What what derails greatness or ends greatness as much as anything else is self sabotage. Yeah, and 
that's the thing that, you know, they're doing a nice job, though, of laying out, like, I will say this. It's incomprehensible, as we just laid out, what Jerry Kraut, like how Jerry Krause is handling this and, and the thought of wanting to blow it up and all that stuff. But like, it is pretty amazing. And this is what happens when you're playing, when, you know, when God is on the team in Jordan. No one ever gives Jerry Krause any credit. Like if I could play, yeah. if I could argue on behalf of Jerry Krause for a second, like the guy did, like you got to hand it to him. Like, you know, he he got Phil, he drafted Scotty, he made all these trades. They talked about the Oakley trade for Cartwright. Like, he yeah. did a good job. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, but but his his understanding of what he had though was was misguided, right? Totally. So anybody that has the greatest basketball team in the history of the league, pretty much, mm-hmm. right? You get one of those. You get one Boston Celtics. You get one Lakers. You one, get one Lakers, yeah, you and you get, get one Chicago Bulls dynasty, right? Like you get one of those in your franchise. You'll never probably get that again. And so, I think you you sacrifice everything to keep that alive, even if it's one more year. Always trying to get one more year. You always do that because the the idea of rebuilding, like I think that's that's like fool's gold, right? Like yeah. That doesn't, you'll never get that again. You'll right. never have Michael Jordan again. You'll never have all those pieces that together were magic. You never get that again, no matter how much you rebuild, like it won't be that. So like you, you expend everything to keep what that you, what you have. And I think there's too much like, and this is proving it too many times where these, these people who are general managers and owners that, they they just don't understand that that's once in a lifetime. Right. I'm not. Let me let me restate. I'm not defending what Kraus did. What I no. am doing is trying to give him credit for what he built. Yeah. And they said he's actually a good guy. That's, yeah. That, and, and people forever he, said he's like a terrible person. Though. Right. But it is, I guess, because that's how the whole thing starts. Is you're just, you know, you're sitting there like, how? Think about this is. They are on the top of the mountain. They've won five championships. And how is this falling apart? How is it under? How is it possible well, that Phil Jackson has a handbook for the 97-98 <laughs> season entitled The Last Dance? Like, it's, it's just remarkable. Now, they're doing a good job of laying out how you're beginning yeah. to kind of understand it, but it's, it still doesn't. It still doesn't take away from the shock value of it. Yeah, and I'll, I think we should definitely keep in mind throughout this, you know, we might have to circle back, you know, as we do these recaps, you know, with the Golden State situation. I was, I was just going to say, because was, like, it, it's funny it, you were... Th- it's kind of similar, right? Like, it, it's these these selfish personalities that seem to derail and not understand what you have, what you have. You get one. Like you said, you, you're lucky. Cherish it. These things come about. How many, I mean, how many in the history of basketball? You history much, of basketball, it's the Celtics, it's the Lakers of the 80s, it's, it's the, the Celt- Bulls of the 90s. And then, and this, and then and the, the Warriors had a chance to really kind of like also be that. Because I was wondering, yeah. it's funny you brought up, and we'll stay on the Bulls here, but... I wondered what a guy like Kevin Durant thought watching that, where it's like when you let ego and worrying about where credit gets delved out. Yes. 
when you are in the credit business, it's a fucking bad business. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's a bad business. <sighs> and there were too many people, Jerry Krause, Scotty Pippen a little bit, like got caught up in the credit business. And then you think about the Warriors and you think about Katie, you think about Draymond a yeah. little bit. Like you realize like now I, gar- I guarantee you looking back on that, you know, I bet Jerry Krause regretted that. I bet Scottie Pippen regrets that. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and you know, and, and but I, I'm gonna put like Reinsdorf. To me, though, like where he's he doesn't get away from this in my my book because he empowered Jerry Krause. Yes, like he could have stepped in and be like, "Dude, Look, what are you doing?" You know, like, "Hey, Scottie Pippen, right? Keep Phil. Like, we're keeping Michael Jordan happy because he's Michael Jordan. Yes, he is." You know, God as a basketball player, like, just don't mess with that. Let Michael play till he tells us, I don't want to play anymore. But, like, don't push Michael out. Don't push Phil and Scotty out. Just say it out loud. Don't do it. Just say it. Just think about what you just said out loud. An an individual pushed the five-time champs, soon to be six, Phil, Scotty, MJ, pushed them out the door. Because he thought it might be a good time to rebuild, like. But that's all you're in the credit bit. You're, you're yeah. You know, it's just the. It's th- this almost the last dance should be just like a a cautionary tale. And again, we're only two episodes into this thing. Uh, it's 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 striking me as a cautionary tale of of the problem of a big arrogant ego. I mean, we all got egos, but totally. We all want to feel appreciated, and you we know all what? like. You know what you. To appreciate what you got is one of the gifts in life. And this is such a clear, clear episode of losing so much touch with appreciating that you have the greatest team of the of the decade and They're probably the most revered and loved team of all time. Of all sport. time, globally, like yes. you know, I just I it's hard for me to fathom you know, somebody that I, I know I always appreciated the teams I was on. So, like, it's hard for me to fathom what these guys could be thinking. I, I, it's unbelievable. Well, and the thing that I – the moment I liked, and I I asked you about it in the moment because I want to make sure I heard it right. I mean, at the ring ceremony to start the 97 season, the United Center booed Jerry Crowley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he was trying to run Pippen out. I mean, just like – so you know, think, of, think about first take – and sports talk radio in 19, you know, like Stephen A. Smith, like, we got to talk about Jerry Krause <laughs> and the fact that he's trying to run out the five-time world champions, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. The, are you kidding? You know, like, yeah. think about these storylines. It, it's, I mean, it's almost, they were lucky that they didn't, I mean, even though they were a global phenomenon, some of those things, I think, came and went, like the, the Pippen almost, like, it got kind of swept under the rug as right. the season went on and you didn't hear yeah, about the, the demanding a trade and all that, and, which and is weird, but like it, those are hard to survive now. Like, you know, KD and, and, and Draymond got into a slight and bicker argue, yeah. and it and basically it, 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 was it, it, like, right. It, they, the media was going to divide him after that. So think Pip, I mean, it was understood Pippen waited until the start of the season to have surgery. Pippen yeah. then demands a trade. Krause, announced that this is going to be Phil Jackson's last season. Like, think of all, like, it's just, it, it's, 
we all knew these things happened, but yeah. it, it still is surreal to see them play out the way they're they're playing out. I, you know, these are things I kind of knew, but I, you just you forget like you just think about how great the teams were. So the the that was maybe the most glaring takeaway from the the first, first two. two was just, oh my god, they were trying to end it like management was trying to run these guys out like. Even it's unbelievable. That, like even having that on the table, that was the takeaway for me was I, I just I can't believe why you'd want to do that. Think think if yeah, it, it's it's unbelievable. It it's it's truthfully unfathomable to to think about that stuff. But I, but the one thing that I'm just I, I'm just there's sometimes you wa- you're watching a documentary and and not only are you interested in the subject, but you're loving the execution of it. Yeah. I will say so far, I'm absolutely loving how they're structuring this because you're getting these flashbacks. And not only is it, it's not just a flashback because it's cool to see Jordan play for North Carolina and, and hear Roy Williams talk about recruiting him and all that stuff, but it matters because it helps you understand the point of the documentary. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's not just a cool flashback for the sake of a cool flashback. What was, of all the, the I guess let's let's start with, because we kind of flashback to Jordan upbringing and Pippin's upbringing. What, you want to start, you want to stay with Jordan? Let's stay with Jordan. The, did anything in particular really like, amaze you with the flashbacks of Jordan because you had his childhood flashbacks and then you also had there were I mean we're now it's 19 he just finished the he got knocked out by the Celtics in 86 yeah so like to kind of follow the theme you said like I I think they're give this documentary is giving us everything we want which is like sometimes you're like it's kind of weird almost when you're getting like you're getting exactly what you were hoping for. They're shooting this exactly how this is I was perfect. hoping. This is this is like so far I'm like this is perfect. It's giving you the unprecedented access of the 97 season plus it's giving you Jordan history documentary, right, that we've always wanted. And they're giving you these these clips that you've never seen before, right? From both the the season and from just, you know, growing up or the past and and everybody that you know they're talking about is is actually on this documentary with right. re- with recent comments. So it's really it's really so far very well done, which well, I like. I think I think one of the things that is cool and and even though we know a lot about these things, everybody knows the story of Jordan was cut from the varsity team and blah blah blah. We we know about that this stuff, but like hearing it from him, hearing it from his mom. Hearing it from his brother, like, I think, and the older you get, you know, you hit a point in your life and you go, why, how did I become who I am? Yeah. And we're, we're doing a big time deep dive in how the, not just the greatest basketball player of all time became the greatest basketball player of all time, but how he became arguably the greatest competitor winner sports yeah. attitude of all time. I heard there was a, someone was, was they, he wasn't on camera. So I didn't, I didn't see what was someone at the start of the documentary said, I'd argue Michael Jordan was better at his job than anybody <laughs> has been at their job in the history of life. jobs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, jobs. and, and you, you, it's just, you think of Jordan and the, 
they humanized him in a really cool way with how cool was the scene of the letter he wrote to his mom? Oh, yeah. The letter, I mean. No question. Well, you know what it is that's really cool about this, too, on that point is is Michael's being more uh, candid than I've ever seen. Yes, him. this is. With his answers, we you could tell he's like getting a little bit more emotional. Like right. He's telling the things that for a guy that's as famous as anyone in the world withheld all those little tidbits. And I feel like he's. He's given a little bit more here, which right. is really cool to see. It's it's so cool. I mean, you hear him talking about racism. It growing never, up, in North, ever he has talks never about broached that. that subject. But obviously, a black kid growing up in North Carolina, in you know, in in obviously in the sixties and the seventies, there's going to be a lot of racism, and you could tell that sports became like his safe haven from all that to a certain extent, yeah. you know, like he, he could, he talked about some of this, like I could be, I didn't have to be that on the baseball field and on yeah. the basketball court. And it also is amazing to think that a lot of his competitive drive and that spirit simply came from bickering with your brother and wanting your dad's attention. Well, Larry, Larry Jordan was more competitive than Michael. I mean, think about that. That tells you something about Larry Jordan. Well, and <laughs> hey, I thought hey, Jordan, if yeah, Larry if Jordan walked more, like, in here, Larry's like, crazy. Larry is insane if he's more competitive than Michael Jordan. <laughs> but Jordan had a great. I thought one of my favorite parts was when he talked about how when you can when when you compete, and we've all been to this. You have a brother. I have a brother. Even like you and I are basically brothers. Like when you compete and basically come to blows with someone you truly love. Yeah, that is. That is taking your heart and your mind and your soul to a different place. You know what I mean? When yeah. you can straight up like drop the gloves and Bo and Barrett Root are going at it. Yeah. Like, fuck you. We're going at it. You know? Yeah. Like there's something there's something that's sparked there. I'm not advocating all brothers go compete against each other and kill each other, but like at the same time, like Hey, I I relate to it. I'm I'm a little brother. You're a little brother. Yeah. And growing up for us, I mean, it was every time we competed, it was do or die. And right. so, like when I see that with Mike and you know him saying that, you know, to just get his dad to to want to like you know look at him instead of like his brother getting to work with his dad in the garage like that was his life's goal like but I, but i think that's, that's the cool part it's about crazy. this this is michael jordan who in our mind is like he's a fictional character you know what i mean like he's a he's a superhero he's in in some people's minds like jordan is filed in that part of your brain that you file superman batman like he he's he's indestructible and indestructible people don't have like human emotions and it's pretty amazing to like listen back to how the that he wanted his dad's attention that yeah. a lot of it can you know like i just think that all those flashbacks are really well done in that regard did you know that he was as uh, i guess as good as he um i don't even know how to say it's like I didn't think people thought he was as good as he actually was at North Carolina. And now they're showing that like everybody knew he was. That See, guy. that's the thing. I, I'm glad it's weird. You say that. Cause that was one of the things I wrote down was I, I, I thought one of them, one of the other quotes that was like, Holy shit, Bob Knight, 
coaching Michael Jordan in the 1984 Olympics called him the greatest basketball player he's ever seen. Think about that for a second. This is a kid that's not played one second in the NBA. We're at the, we're in the peak of bird magic, mm-hmm. right? Where they are at like basically the peaks of their powers to it, or they're they're entering into the prime of what they've done. We've already had Wilt, we've already had we had Kareem, we got Kareem, we got we've had Russell like and here's Bob Knight. And Bob Knight is also, you know, like a he's guy a, that is he's a hard judge of character. He, he yeah, doesn't like, deal out praise very easily, no, right? For him to say that, <laughs> but I'm with you, like I guess I I always felt like Jordan was Good. I mean, he was McDonald's All-American. He was the player of the year in college. But I didn't necessarily think that he hit the ground running and had everybody's attention like, this guy's the fucking best. Yeah. The way he clearly did. I mean, he talked about his rookie year, third game of the season. He willed his team to a win and basically became the alpha male. You well, know? That, so that was probably the other part of the the documentary that I enjoyed the most was two, two things Michael said. One was first day of practice. He was, he sought out whoever the best player was and I'm going at him. Like right. that mindset one is like, that's not that's normal. Not normal. As a rookie, I mean, you've been a rookie in professional sports or a freshman in college. Like you, you are, know your mindset is survival, not, right. not, like attack and murder, or like getting he, good graces with whoever the alpha is. He's you the know ki- like, he's a killer. That's right. that's a that's a killer mindset, which is unbelievable. I mean, it, it's it was so cool to hear that. The second thing was another like competitive psychological thought was, you know, they're talking about Scotty sitting out because of the injury, and Michael's trying to let people understand that you can't let anybody get confidence against him. You know where. Uh, did you write that down? I wrote it down. <laughs> the quote the the quote was cuz Scotty didn't play in the first month. The quote was and I might be bi- I tried to immediately go to my notes on my iPhone to get it. Every day Scotty doesn't play, it gives other teams confidence they can beat us. The- this is a guy that is like a maniacal serial killer on the basketball court. It's awesome. It's so cool to to understand like that guy's mindset because so much of sports is confidence, and I think him being the killer he was, he understood that maybe better than anybody else because he never lacked it, right? And he knew how to take it from you and basically never let you get it back. For yeah, for he was he was that rare combination, and Tiger Woods had like. Was it to that that have are are the most like they have all the physical talent in the world and then they they are psychologically on another level like to to understand that in in October these games he's won five you know how many guys that won five rings would be like gives a shit you know like I'll 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 you know, everybody I'll, everybody would be everybody like, would gonna... not care because they'd be tired and they wouldn't care but his thought was. We can't let anybody see any vulnerability with us because he understood that, and people talked about it all the time, like Jordan had that aura, and a lot of great ones have it, that he had you beat or his team had you beat because be, in between, your, like you, because in your head, you didn't think you could you, fucking you beat You don't him. believe. You, you don't believe, because you know what, Nick? 
you shouldn't be able to beat Michael Jordan because he's right. better than you. Right. So like, <laughs> until you do it, you don't believe it. Right. Because he's Michael Jordan. And, and it, it that part, like, that's the stuff that, it like, you kind of understand Michael Jordan's competitive growing up. You understand that, like, he's very confident. But you don't understand his psychology. And that was what I thought was really cool. Totally agree. Because, I mean, this is a guy that had won five championships. He was already, like, not he's not on the mountain. He is the mountain. He is, like, oh. th- there's no, like, that he's in his what would have been his 13th or 14th year uh, in the league. Yeah. And it's October. <laughs> and you saw him in practice giving it to Kukoc, giving it to Harper, giving it to these guys. Like, and and that comment, like, that's that's what he was thinking about. Like, I don't want to be like, guys aren't built like that anymore, but they kind of are. Like, maybe no one ever in the history of life was built like this. It's, it's hard. To be that driven... Well, it's 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 such a rare combination. You know, Bob Knight said it in that quote. He says he's the most skilled, uh, he's the most athletic, and he's the most competitive. Right? right? right. He's the best I've ever seen. So, like, you kind of have to be a lot of those to to get to that level of confidence. I think you have to have most. Like, you can't be that confident if you don't have most of those things. Right? Like, right. a lot of people are just confident, but like. Hey, I, now I gotta guard all my defense. Like he had it all, everything. Right. Hey guys, quick break. Talk to you about Pella windows and doors, and you know, putting in some some new windows or a new door. It can be really exciting, but it can be a little intimidating because sometimes you don't even know where to begin. Well, let me help you out. First of all, you got to go with Pella, and when you go with Pella, there are a couple of options you can go to get things started. First of all, you can f- schedule a free in-home consultation. That's right, free. You're going to get a Pella expert to take a look at your home and talk to you, and they're going to be able to get a Phil Jackson-esque game plan for you that fits your budget, your home, your wants, and your needs. That's one option. Another option, get out to the showroom. And the showroom's really cool, man. They can uh, show you all the different window and door solutions they got. Sometimes it helps to actually see the window, see the door, open it, close it to get a better feel of exactly what you are putting into your home. Showroom is also a great place to start in any direction you go. Just know Pell is going to take great care of you and they got a variety of products and can 100% provide window and door solutions to any home and you're going to be working with great people the entire time. Give me a call. 402-493-1350. That's 493-1350. Or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. Back to yours truly and Bo Robert Rude recapping the Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary. The other thing that I, that and we'll get to Scotty here in a second. But the other thing that I thought is jumping out at me is the importance of Phil. Of Phil, like, and we knew about this. He's a Zen master and all this stuff. But like, the ability to, uh, to, you know, he didn't have to worry about Michael staying locked in. But like, the ability to reframe and refocus and recalibrate, not rest on what you've done. You know, like that stuff. That's how. That's how the teams that win win again. Yeah. Like you have to have a leader that understands the importance of that. And then I think he also clearly had, and, and I think Paxson said it, Kerr said it, like that Phil's ability to manage all these personalities and manage all this drama, manage the spotlight, manage all that stuff. Like we talk about 
Jordan and the players being able to handle. It's a lot for Phil to fucking handle too. And Phil's doing it. I, I was just that was something. The other another thing that kind of jumped out at me. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Phil. Phil was the perfect personality type because he's so. I mean, laid back's not maybe the right word, but it's just he's so thoughtful almost right. that like he he's not an overreactor and for that type of you know personality groups you got to have somebody that almost reins it in not you know and amps it up the the other thing too talking about the the flashbacks how the the mistrust and uh not being on the same page between Kraus and Jordan happened right after his foot injury. So we're talking, that was his second year in the league. Yeah. He hurts his foot. He rehabs against the teams. I mean, I think he went to back to North Carolina and played without them knowing and all that stuff. And he's on that. I mean, all this stuff with the minutes restriction. Well, like and, here's where I'll, I'll now be Jerry, Jerry Krause's defender. I'll be his public defender yes. here. Uh, like I understand this so is yeah. this is the greatest basketball player ever. Like it's not worth him getting hurt. I understand. I didn't realize this cl- how close this foot injury was to being like a career ender. I, maybe it wasn't as serious as they were I making. Know, back in the eighties, they were like, "Have a Big Mac, a Whopper, <laughs> and we have Pizza Hut for you." So and- what we're gonna do is we're gonna put you in these low top Converses. <laughs> They're great for foot injuries. That's what we've been told. Low top. <laughs> Jordan, I want you to wear Birkenstocks. Low top Converse. With the real hard box, those are how we solve the foot injuries. Oh, so medicine is was not near as good as but, it was. But. Okay, so we'll defend Jerry, but he, here's the, here's where Jerry again. It's an ego thing where if he's telling the coach if Jordan plays one second over, 14. and there's thirty seconds in the game, so if the coach feels like he can't put his best player in. For another thirty seconds after he just played seven minutes, it's like, look, like now you're just now being, it's being ridiculous. You are the problem now, Jerry. Like he's making himself the issue, which is like that to me tells me that like that guy is putting himself over right. like the bigger picture. Well, yeah, th- think about. I mean, just think about. Like, I'm just trying to think of what an analogy would be. You know, think if the Dallas Mavericks are trying to make the playoffs, and they have 13 seconds left, 14 seconds left or whatever, and they don't put Luka Doncic in the game where they're trying... You know what I mean? Like, that's what this was. It's like, just this one is- of those, like, it, like say, it's a that's a personality issue created by management that didn't need to happen. Right. Like, you got to be able to trust your coach to be like, look, I'm not going to play him more than 14 minutes unless this crazy situation happens and, like, Jordan that's went right. off. He's shooting like crazy, and there's 30 seconds left. Play him 30 seconds. Yes. and But but I guess what, like, he's a guy, Jordan, obviously, the only thing he cares about is winning, and th- that was where you have a guy in manage. I think that's where some of the 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 animosity was built, where it's like he made, yeah. at that point, he was like, I don't get it. Like, I'm, like, we got to win. But all that set up what was pretty cool to, to flash back to his very first playoff experience goes for 49 on the 86 Celtics. The 86 Celtics are maybe the best team in the eighties. Yes. And I like to me, like I, you probably say what was magic's best team was 87. Probably. Yeah. To me, the, and you take your pick, like 
I think 96 Bulls are the best to me. But then to me, then it's 86 Celtics, 87 Lakers. Then you throw the Warriors in there, but like they're in the Pantheon. The 86. Yeah. So like, so here's here's a young Jordan. How cool were those? Now we've seen some of the highlights, but to get the extended and then you got a lot for, of the highlights, like uh, more the ones you didn't see, but you're like, whoa. She goes for 49 in game one, and then goes for 63 in game two. And here's what's crazy. The Bulls lost both games. <laughs> <laughs> but the, what was great was hearing how Ainge talk about how mad Walton was at him for getting f- oh, switched see, on him and fouled out. Like sports fans, <laughs> like the real diehards, like they like this is what's so good about this documentary is you're getting all the little nuggets. Yes. Not, like we know the base story. Like we all know the base stories. Like we know Jordan got sixty three. We like we know this. Yes. But like the little nuggets, like. He's golfing with Ainge, like the little stories. He tells, Ainge, he tells Ainge to tell DJ, I got something for yeah. you. I got he, something for your like boy he, tomorrow. He fouls out DJ. He fouls out Walton. Like, that's the stuff that's so fun. And, you know, you knew, I didn't know, he made a free throw with basically no time on the clock to send the game into OT. Like, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know that about the 63 all you, point game. You, you just, like, we've seen so many of these things and just, like, a two-second clip. Remember when Jordan went for 63 and it shows the... The scissor between the, between the legs, jump over Bird. That's it, right? Right. Like, everything we... Like, Jordan has done such a, an amazing job of basically saying, like, I'm not doing a bunch of interviews. We're not going to deep right. dive. Like, so, the mystique of Michael Jordan is, is as high as it's ever been because he keeps himself away from the public, like, in a way that people now just don't do. Like, LeBron, we love LeBron, but, like, they go through everything with LeBron, very in depth. The next day, they'll have ten breakdowns. Let's have a retrospect of, on what you did four minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like so. I started this podcast, and I knew that. Like, but that's what it's now. We don't let this is like a, a should be like the poster child for why everybody needs to let let it fester and marinate and like let like we don't need to recap everything. It's, it's like it, the the people that like. You know, uh, I don't know. They're like, you know, like when the the Jersey Shore people put out their their lifetime biography two years after the show airs. I'm like, you guys didn't. What do you what is there to write about? Like, we saw the show. Don't for you. Like, you don't need to write your your you know your autobiography when you're 25 years old. Like, like Michael Jordan is. I think he's done a good job. Like, like let the story be told like later on. Like, let you know you don't gotta. It's just some of it's too fast for you. Just like, guys, let's not do this. The right one now. thing, the one thing that doesn't make sense about Michael Jordan's personality to me is he's such this assassin, serial killer competitor. Is it? It's it. I have a hard time wrapping my head around the whole like going and playing golf with Danny Ainge. You know what? Like, not that not that we have to make a mountain out of a molehill, but that just doesn't seem to go in line. Like he's such a like you're either with him or against him. There, there was a there's something that I yeah I've never understood about Michael, and it's that, and it's maybe because I'm not wired this way, but he has a uh, an energy level I think that is yeah. is almost as superhuman as other gifts where he wants to be gambling, golfing. Playing, competing all day long. Right. And like, you know, his biggest torture was like he had to sit in the bench for a part of a season. That yeah, was torture. Yeah. Right. 
And by the end of it, you know, like he was went to North Carolina to just like break the doctor's orders and play right. every yeah, day, right? right? So I think Michael has some sort of inner energy level drive that like it's an addiction. He's got to like, be doing I, I that competing... all day long, and he whoever will do it with him, which includes Danny Ainge before a game. Right? The other thing that in the flashbacks that was cool, talking about humanizing him. We all can recall that very first. Now, I've never walked into a hotel room with lines of cocaine and like I've never been in a scenario like that. But we all can remember that like when we're growing up in that first eye opening party you're really at or eye opening. I know yours. (laughs) (laughs) Better not. uh, high school. Oh God! Well, better yeah. not talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, one. next question. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but but we all re- we all remember the, those are seminal moments in your life. Here's why it was similar to you because you and Michael were the same way. Like you didn't drink. No. You were like kids. All you want to do is play basketball. Right. And you go to a place where there's a bunch of people doing yeah. something that you don't do and you don't want to do. And that's a weird moment. It's a really weird moment. And it was cool though, to hear from again, to humanize. like that's where you talk about how he's being on to hear him be like, I'm a rookie. I'm trying to find all my teammates. I knock on the door. They open the door. They got weed over there. Girls over here, lines of co. And he was like, I just, I got to get out of here. But we get, that's everybody remembers. Like, I don't care who you are. Like that first real legit party you're at, you're a little rattled. Dude, that you're you're like you're more oh than a little right. You're going like I am terrified right now. It's like simultaneously like like a real party. It's it's amazing because it seems fun, but like those moments are a little scary though. Like what he was talking about was a yeah, little that, more. That, that's what I'm saying. That like, was a little bit more like yeah, like holy oh, moly. guys, this right. is like we're doing right. dangerous things, here, right? You know. Right. But I thought that was another like moment that humanized him quite a bit. Yeah, and you know what? I think it, it also showed that. If he would have made some other decisions that night, he may have never been Michael Jordan, right? right? Like right. they said, Michael Jordan for his first however many handful of years was like it was orange juice and Seven Up. Orange juice, Seven Up. He wanted didn't to smoke play cards. All he wanted to do was like watch movies and then go go practice. What he wanted to do was go be an assassin, like he was. Like that was yeah. his vice was I'm going to be the best basketball player and the best competitor. To ever live and so he just did that why other people might be out you know chasing girls going to the club yeah, and right get smoking get and drinking and doing yeah, coke right. like when you get a whole bunch of money people do that right and he stayed he laser did the focus so the guy with the most talent with the most competitive drive chose to do things that only accentuated that yeah right. and didn't take away from it by uh, distracting right. him so right. that was a little bit of an eye-opener to me i was like oh right michael had a choice there in 84 and it set him down the path to being the Michael Jordan. We know I will say, and I'm kind of out on comparing eras of like players because it's just, it's, it's so hard to do, but like all his old highlights still hold up. You know, you know, a certain guy, like they, you'll watch like an old, like here's, you know, here's Koozie. Bart, Bart star. Boy, <laughs> did he throw a laser in there? Bart's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, but and there's some highlights that you like, you know, like the, 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 it, what you're about to watch is the best you, run in 1954. Yeah, when like, you, <laughs> but <laughs> he zigs and zags, and there he goes, and nobody's ah. near him. Bobby put down his Coca Cola <laughs> and his cigar, and he went out there and he rushed for 42 yards, you know. But all of his, 
highlights this dude is is explosive and graceful and oh. he had something to him like the whole like air jordan flat like he was one of the only athletes to me that ever truthfully like so, when he was in the air he he defied gravity levitates the right word he like, levitated it, it's it's unbelievable he was just graceful through the air and the cradle dunks and all that stuff it was great. That, that's like the artistic stuff though you know he was yeah. doing that cradle like you know in college he, he was doing it in games but like it was the body movement was like a work of art like oh, it was like right you know it's that's the stuff you just go he was he born was, to do that you you were put on earth to do it okay we haven't even talked about pippin and then we'll wrap this up so we're about 40 minutes in we don't want to like sit here we could be here till two yeah. o'clock in the morning if we wanted to I mean, the Scottie Pippen story, I mean, because you can't tell, and I'm glad the people, like, you can't tell the Jordan story without Pippen. Like, they are linked, and Jordan said as much. I didn't realize, because when you're, I mean, we were teenagers when all this stuff was going on. And one thing you don't care about is, like, salaries. Not when you're a teenager. When you're a teenager, you're just like, I mean. You like who you like. Yeah, and, and you're like, that guy's good, so that's all that matters. I had no idea how criminally underpaid Scottie Pippen was. He was the 122nd highest paid player in the league. And he was a top five player in the NBA. Yes. And they had one champion. I mean, at the, and he signed a seven year, $18 million deal in 1991. He must've signed it right before they won their titles. And then just, and the cool part though, was like, when you get into when you got into Scotty's background, you can understand why he and he said like, you know, twelve. He was one of twelve kids. His dad had a stroke and was in a wheelchair. His second oldest brother had a weird accident wrestling at school and was paralyzed. And so he's so I mean they're dirt poor from Arkansas, and all of a sudden you're. Someone slides over a piece of paper and all, I mean, all you're thinking about is $18 million and my family's good forever. Yeah. You, it helped me understand how in the moment, you know, even I think Jerry Reinsdorf was telling him like, you shouldn't sign this. This isn't good for you. But like, you have to understand where he was coming from $18 million and a chance to just make it so my family's good. That's like, you can understand that. Yeah. I I think there, there is something in, uh, in sports and, uh, and managing that where, it, you know, someone should, you him. can't like, you can't be, it just doesn't work in a, it's, it's too much testosterone. It's too much hierarchy, alpha dog stuff where you can't have the second best player making more than the best player. Right. In the same way, if you're the second best player, which Scotty was, not just on the team, but like he's in the top five in the league. Right. And he's got four or five other guys on his team. team. Right. Like Steve Kerr might be making more money than Scotty Pippen. Right. He was the like, sixth. They said he was that, the sixth highest paid player in the Bulls. Yeah. So that doesn't work in a team environment where it's like it's cutthroat level, like elite, right. you know alpha dogs going at it like yeah michael's the the alpha dog right but like scotty's the the beta like and that means scotty needs to be number two paid it or otherwise it gets it just 
It's just human nature, and, right? And, and the hard part, too, is then – because then, obviously, he signs the seven-year, $18 million deal, which makes him criminally underpaid for that long time. He can't renegotiate. They win all these titles. And the there – you can – you know, you, you know, there's all saying, like, don't, don't just tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Well, Krauss didn't do either. He didn't show him he loved him with – the contract or renegotiating, and he didn't tell him either by putting him on the trade block yeah. by all you know, like making him feel so. Not only you feel some type of way because you're so underpaid, and and whether you like it or not, that's a window into how someone views you and appreciates you. Hey. And then they're not, then they're not even, then they're putting you in trade rumors and all that stuff like yeah I, here here's what like I'll come like I'll I'll take Kobe Bryant situation versus Scottie Pippen's right I mean obviously Kobe was the face of the franchise but Kobe was way past his prime and the Lakers gave him you know 2 years for like 40 some million it was a bad contract Horrible. for the Lakers but the Lakers felt that they owed Kobe Bryant that which you know what they did. Yes. And you know what? It was the right move. And so that's, you know, looking back, if Reinsdorf and Kraus, which I don't think they will say, I bet they'll say we did the right thing. He signed the contract. It is what the right thing to do is for the psychology of your team, you don't got to pay Scotty what Michael's making. You ain't got to pay no. him that much. But to just get him to the second highest paid is, and, is the right move for the team, not yeah. just for Scotty. That's the right move for the team Agree. and Scottie Pippen. And you know what it does? It keeps the, the dynasty going is until it piddles out. Maybe they never win again. But that, to me, in the long run, is the right thing to do for everybody, yes. including Kraus and Reinsdorf. Because you know what? I don't care what it is. That team will make your organization so much money yes. just by being itself. The Bulls brand still has cachet because of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. I, 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 and I it's 2020. You can't tell me it's, they're going to make less money if Scottie Pippen makes $4 million more a year. Right. You can't tell me that because I won't believe you. Right. Because they went, they went to Paris and people are wetting themselves seeing, to see the Bulls. Like, right. That was the impact the 90s bulls were at like it, they were they were the beatles they were they were to that level like you don't tell the beatles i think you guys we're going to rebuild the band like we're going to just <laughs> hope mccartney comes back and we're going to just let everybody else walk we're going to trade lennon cuz we can get good value for him ringo and you know ringo what? we're done with you ringo doesn't even matter and harrison like you know he's the phil jackson of this bunch and it's like no, we just don't get along. Think about that. I don't get along with Harrison, so he's out. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? Right. Like what? What are you talking about, Kraus? I, I don't. I don't. I. It's. It's truthfully unbelievable. But that you can see all. One of the things that they're they're laying it out of where these seeds have been planted along the way to help you better understand how unbelievable it is that. At the beginning of the 1997 season, everyone knew that the Chicago Bulls were going to play their final season with that group. It's unbelievable. It is. It is it's it's truthfully unbelievable. I mean, anything else? Where I mean, with I mean, the Pippen story. I mean, it's cool to. I mean, his story is unbelievable. I mean, to get, to be a team manager, beg to be on scholarship, grow from six one six one to to six seven. 
and all like it's it's see that I didn't even know how good Scotty was in college. Like to right. see the to see the clips and to hear people like Scotty Pippen was the deal. Like right. I didn't think about that with Scotty. I oh, thought yeah. he was very like underdeveloped. Right, coming out of college, but well, because I, I, I I did make the comment to you during like I don't I mean to me I was like how could you have had you had a six seven athletic guy why would you not have him at least be on the team yeah that's, but then then they explained that he grew and you're like okay now yeah. now it makes sense but man all I know we're at about forty eight minutes so we'll we'll wrap it up but I am I tell you what I. Today was a special day because in the context of all this coronavirus, quarantine, no sports, no nothing, one of the things that – I was thinking about this. One of the things that I miss, you know, if you're like, what do you miss about life as we knew it? Like, I would I, – one of the things I miss is is having something to look forward to. You know, a yeah. trip, uh, hey, I'm going to dinner with Bo on Friday – or I'm, do, you know, just these things that you take for granted have look looking forward to today. I hopped out of bed more fired up because I had this to look forward to this documentary. And even as I was eating dinner, it had like a, it, I might be, I mean, this shows how much we're starving. It had like a, almost like, dude, the Super Bowl starts in two hours. I was more excited for this than I was the Super Bowl this year. And I'm not <laughs> even kidding you. I was like, pumped up. Like this feels like. What a good live sporting event feels like because we've been denied so much sports. Right. Like Nick, this feels like we're getting sports. I cannot wait to see what the what the ratings are. How many people watch this thing? Is, is, Who is it, is it every it? is it every Sunday? So it's going to be every Sunday for the next. Oh, these guys! I'm I'm so it's like those things you go. I wish somebody would do something, and then they actually do it, and they're doing it the way you want it. It's almost hard to accept like they're giving it to us just how we want it, man. I, I feel like I'm like I'm spoiled. Like you, I, you know, when something's so good, you're I almost like, oh it. my god, I shouldn't be getting this. Still give ourselves lashes. What do I? Yeah, like I don't deserve this. We're not worthy. We're, we're, we're not worthy. We don't deserve sports. Why lie? <laughs> Michael Jordan. Swing. <laughs> Oh, it's just so good. I, Is I'm, he the coolest guy? I mean, he's I mean, so every, cool. Like even the first shot, he pulls up in a Corvette. To the practice facility, gets out, and his sweats are pulled up to like basically his nipples. Hey, that's how I roll at home. And dog. he is just like he is the image. Like if someone says, "What's cool?" Like I'm not so sure. The first image I don't think of is just Michael Jordan in any situation. I think I'm gonna walk into my house acting like Michael Jordan and see what my wife. I'm like. gonna start talking. <laughs> I'm gonna start pulling my pants up. Like an inch or two too high, tuck everything in. Nick, I do that, and my wife, she thinks I'm a loser because I tuck in my sweats. I wear my sweats, and I tuck in my shirt to my sweats, and she thinks I'm a total loser. I'm telling you. But I think it's cool. uh, Jordan looks cool. I always say, because I say Jordan always tucks in his, his, (sighs) his sweatpants, his shirt to his sweatpants, and she goes... She goes, that's a bad look. And I go, no, it's cool. You need to make her watch The Last Dance so she understands she don't get it. the genesis of the tuck. All right. But I'm giving her Michael Jordan swag. Oh, right now I just want to stick my tongue out and just, just swag on everybody. God, that's good. All right, people. This was uh, part one. We got four more of these things. Clearly coming up in the next one, bad boy Pistons time. I'm sure. 
sharpen these things? I mean, people are going to start getting elbowed next Sunday. <laughs> and I cannot wait. So we're going to be doing, again, we're going to do this every single week here for the next four weeks. Bo, Slick Wheezy, Nikki B, we'll be here to recap this pod. So, I mean, you go tuck your shirt in and go home and get some sleep, and we'll do this again next week, my man, okay? All right, my thanks to Pella Windows and Doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door, now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. Thank you.